0: Hello and welcome to Sobercast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting Sobercast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Have a great day. I'm Andy, and I'm an alcoholic. And I brought clip cards the reason I did is because I'm really nervous I'll put that right up there now and um yeah so I, I want to start this out by saying just because I'm saying it doesn't mean to, to the new people that it's necessary. necessarily the book as it's written it's um how it worked out in my world and it's been messy at times um so I would suggest, from my experience, it, it, you know, mm-hmm. I think it was Ben Franklin that said, uh, uh, a brilliant man, or a, a bright man learns from the experience of others. And uh, no, a bright man learns from his own experience, and a brilliant man learns from experience of others. And uh, the experience in a book has been the best experience, because that's what I have to go back to after i kicked my own ass, usually. Um, I, I don't know that my body matters that much other than to me. Um, suffice to say that uh, it was a rendering of my ego to the point where I actually was willing to let God do something with me. I'm going to talk about God if it offends anybody. Change the word to Allah, Yahweh, Creator, Doorknob, I don't care. But I am God. And that's okay. Um, and I respect anybody else's belief. If it works. Um, the God I came into this program with wasn't kind, wasn't loving wasn't an understanding that worked for me. And uh, and I have struggled with it for years. I would say I've struggled with it for decades. Um, I've had to unteach some teachings that, that I've been taught. Unlearning um, stuff's harder than learning. Um, And, and, you know, for the record, um, I didn't do it right the first time. But uh, I chose to not take alcohol or mind-altering drugs for 10,779 days. And those are single days. Um, When I first got here, I looked at people who had a week and wondered how they did it. And I tried to get with those people. And then the people that had a month, sometimes they'd let me tag along. Um, I remember going to one of my first meetings, and and everybody went to coffee afterwards. And they said, do you want to come? I went, yeah, that'd be awesome. Thinking I I can remember the last time I was invited to the bar for anybody with anybody. (laughs) Um, Nobody really wanted to be around me that much. Uh, so I went to coffee and then I went to the meeting the next night and apparently y'all assumed that I was just going to take along, and go to coffee because nobody invited me and I thought oh I said something Mm -hmm. and y'all don't don't like me and I was crushed I was I was fragile Um, so uh, yeah I, I urge you to involve the newcomer as best you can um so what I wanted to talk about wasn't what happened, what it's like, and what it's like now. I wanted to talk about old-timerism and and, and how it affects me in my life today, and how, how close to relapse I really am at times. Um... I see and hear a lot of people with really shiny, happy stories all the time, and I got to wonder, am I just broken that much, and or are you all blowing smoke up your own hair? So here's what I think old-timerism is, that I've seen it all before, that nothing is new for me to learn, that... Uh, I have contempt prior to an investigation before you ever open your mouth. So, you know, I I know it all. I've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. And with that contempt though, um, I get to miss the miracles that that people share in meetings. I get to miss the miracles that I see in the the world. And there are many. If you're not seeing them, you're not looking. when I'm around an old-timer, or a newcomer who's an old-timer, I, I remember this man vividly. I met him down at a conference um, down south, and he had had 21 years. And this is when I had 21 years. And he was six months sober, and uh, had been a prominent banker, and you know very successful, had a wife, family, grown-up, college kids, uh, the American Dream. I mean, it, and he relapsed. And uh, he was the man I glommed onto that weekend. I wanted inside his head, I wanted to know why he was there. Because I didn't want to be there. I was scared. Because I knew what was going on in my head. I knew what was going on in my life. The stuff I don't share in meetings. And, um... And he told me flat out, he told me a story. The sad part of that was he opened Pandora's box and couldn't close it. I watched the man drink himself to death. Over the course of a year, he passed. And you know what? It was sad because he was a nice guy. Not that assholes don't deserve recovery too. You um, guys invited a biker to speak. I'm sorry. I'm trying to keep it clean.
1: <laughs> so,
0: so um, here's what happens. You know, my relapse starts well before I ever think about really picking up a drink, way before, and it usually starts with um, when I wake up in the morning and I don't have time to talk to my higher power before I shop, And I don't take the time on the way to work to talk to my higher power. And my worker, co-worker, pisses me off and I let him have it. And then I go home and I'm stewing on what he said because what's he know? This kind of goes back to that uh, contempt prior to investigation and close-mindedness. I stopped serving others. Um, Yeah, I'll go to the meeting. I don't need to clean up. I don't need to make coffee. Somebody else will do it. Pretty soon I stopped going to the meetings. And, you know, I stopped returning friends' phone calls. And um, I stop liking the guy in the mirror. And I start hurting. You know, these things happen months before my, hopefully months before my relapse is full bloom. But these are all things that I progress into. And... um then I start looking for things to fill that, you know, th- that void, that pain that I'm feeling. Whether it be food, I am not get good. Um, whether it be music that doesn't necessarily drive me to the place that I need to be. You know, whether it be women. Or, and whatever it is that can take me away from the feeling I don't want to feel. And that's really where my relapse starts really blooming. Because I find each one of those things is just not quite enough. That's my disease. My disease is just not quite enough. I want more. Um, So I've stopped liking the guy in the mirror and now I'm doing things to relieve my pain and uh, many times I've done those things at the sake of others uh, I'm embarrassed to say and I'm not going to do my whole tenth step or my whole fifth step with you but um, I'm embarrassed to say that with decades clean to fill a void I've, I, I've behaved so It's repulsive to me that, um, you know, I hooked up with a friend who I'd had for 25 years who was in relapse and and drinking, and um, then we seduced each other. And the result was, I knew better. I knew from the start to the finish I knew better. But I was selfish enough to want the feeling of immediate right now, somebody holding me. I don't have that friend anymore. I can't be of help to her anymore. I removed myself from that. And when I tried to make my amends, she wasn't ready to hear. I hope she'll reach the point where I can't make amends. But, you know, these are all things that I have done that I don't talk about in the meetings on a daily basis when everybody says, how's it going, Andy? Yeah, not so much. But they're all things that are going to take me to my next drink. And, you know, there are people there that are suffering just like me that feel that same pain, that have that drink in their hand, that are more than willing to buy me a drink because we all love lower companions. And um, and they buy me a drink, and then the drink buys me, and uh, it's all over. Then um, the only way I found to stop that cycle from happening was was, and I, and I can't. It's a choice. Up until I take that first drink, I can choose to stop it. And it starts with me, you know, dropping to my knees. I don't drop to my knees because I think my God wants me to bow before Him. I drop to my knees because I think I need to render myself to a point where I can let God enter me. Um, Because my ego is too big. Um... I got to remove the pride first. And then, whenever I say, you know, I I turn my will and my life over to the care of of a power greater than myself, we all give that lip service. Do you? Do I? Because when I do that, then I got to listen to him, I got to follow his directions. That sucks sometimes. You want me to be honest? Yeah. You know, sometimes that's uncomfortable. I don't believe that service work should stop in the meetings in the rooms either. I did a lot of damage out in the community. I I turned a lot of kids on to crap that they never should have had. I did a lot of things to people theft and whatnot to supply my my alcoholism. And and there's a lot of ways that I can do service work outside of myself. It doesn't even have to deal with the drama. I on my neighbor's lawn. I don't... I ask her, please don't give me anything. Just give me a glass of water. And she's tickled pink. And I am too. It takes 15 minutes of my life once a week. Um, and I've gotten to know this woman. And, and I have a relation with her now. And, you know, I care about her. And she cares about me. I don't have a mom to... To spoil anymore, so she's kind of, you know, taking that place in a small way. When I get out of me, then, you know, God does amazing things for me. And there are there are places that I have not been able to get out of my own way. Richard Allen Pollock passed away in 1982 of a motorcycle wreck shortly well the timeline's fuzzy but he left my house I was the last person to see him and he left my house in bed. Um his <coughs> mother treated me like I was her third son and uh, I did a lot of drinking over that that guilt Because I knew in my heart of hearts that I probably fed him the poison that influenced him enough to kill him. I didn't pull the trigger, but, you know, I gave him the gun. Um, I lived with that for a long time, and I brought it into the program. And I had a sponsor who said, you know what? I'm working you through the steps, and you keep saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. He said, pray you don't know how to make amends to this woman because you feel it will hurt her, and and you know she will lose not only the son she lost but she will lose you as well. But just pray about it. Pray to do something. Pray pray for God to perform a miracle for you. And I did. And I did that for like two weeks straight. And uh, about three weeks later, I ran into Carol. this this young man's mom in the store and every time I'd run into her after this this accident um, I could tell you what her shoes looked like I couldn't tell you what color her eyes were anymore but I could tell you what her shoes looked like and she had some nice shoes on that day and she had heard that I'd gotten into the program and she proceeded to tell me how proud she was of me and it crushed me I felt that day and I left there and I was pissed at God and he and I had a talk I did the talking he listened he's got broad shoulders he can take everything I can dish to him and I proceeded to go home my arrogant self my ego all puffed up because my ego puffs up with false pride not with real pride so I go home and I'm stewing. And life sucks. And my phone rings. Now, a couple of miracles happened in the in recovery that I lived somewhere long enough to get a phone number and keep it. And this was back in the day when we had home phones and phone books. So she knew a number to call me at. And I answered the phone, and it was Carol. She said, Andy, you know, I remarried, right? And I said, yeah, I know. She said, well... My stepson's up from California. He came up here because he's all strung out on meth and he doesn't know how to get clean. And I know that you had some experience with drugs as well and I was wondering if you could come talk to him. I said, I'll be right up, Carol. And I came up and I 12-stepped this kid, took him to a meeting. I have no idea if he got recovery, if I planted a seed but I know my God was big enough to give me some relief. The only problem with that is I can forgive lots of people outside my world. The person I have the most trouble forgiving is myself. And I couldn't do it. And even though I tried working steps real diligently on it, I couldn't do it. So um this is how big my God is. This a few years later, I'm asked to speak at a meeting, in Port Angeles. I go and I speak, and I tell this story. And one of the things that I mentioned was I was the third son. Carol had two boys. One was my best friend. Rick was his little brother. And I, I, I did the same prayer about Ron. I didn't know how to make amends to him either. But I never got the opportunity because Ron went away to Iraq through the war. And I didn't know how to get a hold of him. So I, I was telling the story to me. And, uh, and I, I, I told it and got done speaking and went on about my way. And about Eight months later, I get a text on Facebook that uh, my friend Ron had passed away. And I got on my Facebook account. and I didn't get, I was pretty vague. And I just wrote, you know, boys and girls, if you have an immense to make, don't put it off. Because eventually it may be too late. And his, uh, his widow saw the text. And, and we all went to school together. And Tracy got a hold of me and said, I need to talk to you. So we went for coffee. She explained that Ron had been back stateside for a while, had got himself a DUI here in Squamish, had been forced to go to some meetings, one of which was a speaker's meeting at Port Angeles. That hit me like a load of bricks. Hit him like a load of bricks, dude. Um, but she said, you know, he struggled with that for three days. And he finally came to me, because they, were, they, were, they, they had divorced, but they were still good friends. Um, she said, he came to me and said, look at this. I got the talk screen from, from my mom. I didn't, she said, I, "He said I didn't tell her why, but I just needed to see it." And, and Rick wasn't high on coke when he wrecked. He wasn't drunk, so he'd gone home and showered and whatnot, and then left, and wasn't all lit up. And then he did something, and I didn't know about this until after he passed. But he had his big book, and, and he passed. He drank himself to death the disease got him I wish he'd call him. Um but he wrote a note and left it in his big book and said I absolve Andy Kenyon of any wrongdoing with my brother's death it was strictly by his own hand and I hope he doesn't feel guilt over it <coughs> and that's how big my God is because I couldn't let go of that and I don't want to forget it either because I was the guy mother you warned you about I was the guy that sold stuff that shouldn't be sold that did stuff that shouldn't (laughs) be done. and I drank and drove on a regular basis my justification was I handled it better than you and I could drive you home after we got trashed (laughs) so here I am today I was asked to speak I had no idea what I wanted to say but I knew this whole relapse thing was gnawing at me because I've seen some of my friends recently really struggling with it. And um, there's a choice. We can all, if we find ourselves, if I've hit any nerve in any one of you, you've got a choice right now. You haven't picked up that bottle. You can do something different. It's a choice. So that's what I wanted my message to be. I don't know how long I was supposed to go. Um, but I think I'm about there. I do love this program. It has saved my life. Um, and, and, you know, I, I'm no spirit to die. But... Um, I had to come to the terms with, with some of the things that I've done in, in, in my, my fourth step and my fifth step that um, my God has to be forgiving as well, because um, He wouldn't have blessed me with the desire to stay clean more than the desire to drink. He wouldn't have taken away my obsessive compulsive des- I mean. Yeah, I was driven. Um, brought me this far to not bless me all the way. Why, why would anybody do that? So I just have to have faith. And um, yeah, I, uh, I want to thank y'all for letting me speak. And uh, bless your day. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Nigel. My name's Chris. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I've been sat there thinking about what I'm going to say and uh, forgotten it all now. I mean, f- thanks to the first three speakers. You know, I mean, Jason, it's great to see you up here and hear, hear your story. And, you know, I remember when you first come around and there's been a big change, you know, you've still got a little way to go, you know, <laughs> but, like we all have, you know. And that's that's kind of it. You know, that's why we're here. We, we, we got a way to go. We all got a way to go. And, uh, you know, it's, it's great to hear you, Alison, you know, I remember, like, when I first came in here, and um, I was, I, I remember thinking, oh, this would be ideal for Alison, and uh, <laughs> luckily I got on with it as well, but I remember telling you about it, and you saying, oh, I'm not like that, oh, I'm not like that, and, and now I hear your story, and it's just the same, just the same as me, you know? And Dave, you know, I mean, you were here when I got here, and, uh, you know, I mean, you you must have been about six years sober when I got here, but... You always just like seem to be that, you know, that way ahead, you know, and uh, like a figure to look up to, and you know, it, it's 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 always been like that, you know. The people who were here when I got here, they they, they, they just inspired me. They just they just set that tone, set, you know, they they just gave me that kind of feeling of hope that Jason was talking about, and uh, you know, I thought I'd got to have this because I was I was kind of like everybody in in. In, in some way or another, because for me, my... One of the things that, that got me here was I recognised the progression of this illness because that's that's something I always, like, pick up in the big book because it doesn't matter how you start. I mean, for me, I started, well, in my teens, got drunk with my mates. This is a good laugh. I'm doing this again. You know, loved it. No more than that, really. But from there, you know, I just... I just, I, I, before I came in here, I looked back and I could just see this, this this progression. I just saw it getting worse and worse and worse and I was able to sort of like look into the future a little bit and I thought there is no way I can stop this getting worse you know, and I always identify with uh, Builder Steve as well, you know, because you know, he, he, he talks about you know, just just building up his life and then just trashing everything and living out of dustbins. And uh, I I just kind of, like, knew that was going to happen for me and because I knew that I had no control over this. However much there may have been a couple of occasions where it was all right, I would always use that as an excuse to justify the next drink because, uh, you know, I am an alcoholic, and uh, despite the fact I might not have lost everything when I got here, um, you know, I knew... Not in the terms that that we explain it here, but I certainly knew for myself deep down that when I started drinking, I I had no control over what happened. It may be all right. It may not. But it went down to me. It was just down to, I don't know, good luck or getting unconscious quickly or or something like that, you know. Um, And I knew that without a drink, life was just unbearable. I could not see any joy or any, any purpose in doing anything without a drink. And, uh, you know, Dave was saying he, he craved excitement. I mean, I really will not bother about excitement. You know, if I had a drink, I would get excited about that, and that was it. And anything was exciting then. Sitting and watching Antiques Roadshow or something would be exciting then, you know? Everything was okay with a drink, and nothing was okay without one. You know, that, that's, that's kind of how it was. And, um, yeah, so... As I say, you know this kind of progressive thing. I mean, there was—I um, didn't get it till I was 42, so I was—I was drinking for I don't know, I don't know, quite a lot of years, 27, 26, 27 years, something like that. But um, it was—it uh, was just I couldn't do it anymore. I was—I was worn out with trying to deal with, um, you know. A, a job a home uh, friends relatives anything really any of the normal procedures in life that normal people just just go boom 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 and deal with and sort out and get on with were just too difficult for me and i had to have a drink and um and like i say you know this idea that that uh, i couldn't i couldn't live without it was uh, so, you know a lot of the things i didn't realize before i got here and um you know, I was very much like Jason. I, I I don't really remember that much about the first meeting, about what people were saying. Um, luckily, I, I I did the actions. I took I took on board what they told me to do, but I really didn't know why. But um, it was uh, th- there was something about you people. You know, you uh, sort of I wanted what you had. I didn't know what you had, but I wanted a bit of it, and. Uh, that uh, you talked about life beyond your wildest dreams and uh, i thought really come on you know for me i was i was such a miserable kid i really was and uh, it, it, there was no hope in anything but um when i when i just listened to your stories i just thought right i really really need to get a bit of this and um at the end of that first meeting i got myself a sponsor and he gave me some simple things to do that night mm-hmm. and uh Again, I didn't really understand it. He was uh, he was on about reading the bit in the big book. Again, Jason was saying about that. You know, the doctor's opinion, and uh, you know, I for me, and this is just like kind of for me. And um, I wasn't kind of like a total rock bottom drunk. You know, I knew I had further to go, and really for me, that story, what what I read in that doctor's opinion, was kind of like where it was going to go for me, um, because I. I I just realised that uh, I, I did have further to go, but I, but I, I recognised about this obsession and about this sort of uh, allergy it talks about there, where when I start, I can't stop, and uh, you know I'm never going to stay away from it. But uh, for me, it was a lot of the um, recognition in the big book was in the later chapters when it, it kind of like talked about a solution, and it, and it kind of talked about. People who were just so far from where I was, and um, you know, uh, not 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 in so much, um, not not so much in. Uh, it in the big book, I I I just really identified. I I just identified with what what I didn't have you know, uh, and that they had this kind of spiritual solution because, I I don't know, I mean, I tend to do things a bit round about the houses and uh, uh, sometimes it's a bit difficult for people to follow and some people doze off a little bit, but uh, wake up. Um, <laughs> people ought to do that for me because I have a little bit of a doze sometimes. Can't help it. But it's, it's just... I, I, something I need to explain is, is, is this thing that... Um, well, maybe I don't need to explain it. I'll just get back to the basics, because that's, that's the thing that got me sober. Um, I, I, I can wander off down amusing and interesting back roads kind of thing, trying to explain it and understand it and things like that. And I've always done that with everything. Um, before I came into AA, though, I wouldn't do anything until I could understand it. But AA was the first thing that was different. I started to do this before I started understanding it. And, uh, you know, I still get, like, flashes of understanding now, but it really doesn't amount to anything. It's kind of amusing and uh, entertains me slightly. Don't entertain anybody else, and it certainly don't entertain my sponsor. But um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's... I'm interested, you know? I'm, I'm just so interested in this because it's changed my life. I started to do these simple things, and within a few days I started to feel hopeful, optimistic... And uh, like there was some kind of future. That's something I'd never, never experienced before at all, at all. I used to sit and drink and have grand plans. Um, but, you know, in the morning, uh, it it, wasn't, it, well, it just didn't happen. I'd either forgotten about it or realised it was completely impossible. Or, or I thought, well, no, I can't do that because, um, oh, because I've got to make a cup of tea. Um, you know, I, there's always an excuse. There's always an excuse for not doing anything um the only thing i found time for was having a drink but like i say i keep going on about that so moving on a bit i started to do the things that were suggested everything started to get better and my sponsor saw that something was happening with me and decided to take me through the steps and uh for me step three was just such a um i didn't even realize at the time but it it was such a big change because i I got down on my knees and said this prayer with my sponsor and i i'm not religious in any shape or form you know when the idea of god is uh whatever um and that that was that was enough for me i i I said my prayer i didn't know what i was praying to i was praying to whatever you were praying to with whatever that was but i i I said this prayer on my knees with my sponsor and i got up and i thought wow this is a bit this is a bit weird you know maybe maybe this is going to do something maybe this is maybe this is it maybe this is going to happen and uh, I just felt I was on a different path, and of course I was. You know, this was something I've never never embarked on before. Um, one of the points I thought about earlier, which I just, I just want to explain again, was this idea of like a, a spiritual solution. I never really sort of liked the idea like that for me, but I'd see, I'd see kind of spiritual people on TV, you know, um, or, or something like that. People who'd had some kind of spiritual happening to them and there was something about them they seemed to have kind of a strength and a a dignity and a a kind of I don't know a power you know but not a kind of arrogant power it wasn't I I just naturally understood that this wasn't an arrogant power for them it was something that they took on board you know that helped them you know that gave them strength that they didn't have themselves and that was always an, an attractive thing And I didn't realise that that's what I was doing here. I was, was like, finding this power, and it says in the big book, the entire purpose of this book is to enable us to find find a power greater than ourselves that will uh, um, solve our problem. And uh, I didn't didn't fully understand what my problem was, but like I said, I started to do these actions, I started to work this programme, and I started to find this... You know, I, I acted like somebody who had a higher power... And it miraculously appeared. I still, I still don't fully understand it. Um, I still don't, uh, well, I don't worry about it either. Um, because I've, I've experienced the results. You know, something's changed in me. I, don't, I certainly don't want to drink anymore. But life is manageable. You know, life is doable. Um, I've probably experienced more, more sort of difficulty in sobriety than I ever did in the, pre- in the rest of my life. I mean, that might sound like a funny thing to say. I mean, it's not down to, um, it's not down to AA cause me problems. It's just that if you live long enough, you're going to go through some crap. Um, unlike drinking, where you manufacture your own crap, you know, stuff will happen. Stuff will happen in life. And um, you just... Here, I've just learned how to get on with it because I've, I've, I've found this higher power. This, 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 like sort of strength, which comes outside, comes—I don't know where the hell it comes from—but I've got to look down inside myself to find it. I've got to keep taking these actions. I've got to do this program to the best of my ability, and uh, uh, and it's—it's—and that's—that's sort of how it works for me. Um, When I did my step three prayer, I sort of got started on step four, and uh, which was that we. Made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves, and certainly I'd never thought of doing that. I mean who would um, was it, and if we did, it wouldn 't be searching and fearless. It would just be well i don 't know I can only speak for myself, but it would be sort of fairly cursory and uh, um, <laughs> not not trouble me too much you know but uh, this had to be thorough this had to get down to to the depths of my um, illness really. You know, the, the depths of my sickness. Because I, I started doing it. I started looking forward to sort of finding out what had been done to me to make me, uh, make me drink so much. You know, why, why, why my life was so terrible. my, my, my life was so awful. And uh, um, the funny thing was, when I actually started to do this properly, started to write do down this step four kind of thing, and I was doing this, this the last column where I looked at my character defects, listed my character defects against all my resentments, all my fears, or or my sexual conduct, all the things I felt were wrong in the world and in my life, and I saw all these like, all these character defects were down there, and every single thing came back down to these simple, basic things that that have grown out of natural, natural instincts, but you know, being an alcoholic, I take everything to ex- excess, and. Um, with my, with my drinking, I take that to excess. And with my character defects, I take them to excess. And I let them run my life. And I let them... Well, I didn't even know anything about them. Um, but when I saw that, and I shared it with my sponsor, and uh, by, you know, just, just, just by simply acknowledging it, and sharing it with my higher power, um, I felt lifted. I felt lifted away from it. Um, it was... Uh, it wasn't like one of those flashbang experience step fives kind of thing, but it was. It was. It, it just. It just grew. It just grew because the only thing I can. I can do anything about. I mean, it talks about it a lot in the big book. Is you know we, we can't change the world. The you know the world is the way it is. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be uncomfortable sometimes. The only comfort I have is through through this program where where i i i see what the problem is the problem is me the problem is me what a relief what a relief because me is the only thing i can do anything about everything else is just sort of well pretty much i have to start with myself you know maybe if i sort myself out other things can get sorted out but it has to start with me and uh, that was that was the revelation really of it and uh you know, again, I still need the help of God to do it, you know. <laughs> if, if I haven't got that, if I haven't got this higher power, then I'm not even going to get anywhere. I'm really not going to get anywhere. But as I say, you know, I, 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 I talk about this program and um, I, I, I don't see any really need to go into specifics about it because, I mean, everybody, if they're willing to do it, will, will, will experience it in their own way kind of thing. But the simple fact is that without doing this, you're probably just going to drink yourself to death. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. Um, I came in here with no hope. And, um, you know, within a few days, I have bucket loads of it bucket loads of hope. And that's what's on offer here right at the start. You know, it's like I say, it's, it's fantastic seeing new people come in. Um, but there's, there's kind of like three rules to it, really. Um, When you turn up here, rule one, get started. Get yourself a sponsor, get yourself a big book, start taking the action, start taking the steps. Get started. Rule two, keep doing it. Simple. Rule three, don't leave. Uh, John's always got, John's brought it down to three steps, but they're all the same. Don't leave, don't leave, don't leave. (laughs) But you know, Every, everybody's got their own like little way of looking at it and uh I, for me that is it you know i i see people come in they see oh yeah, yeah i'm super, i'm sorted now they've only been here a few months or something and they're just not gone again maybe that's enough for them i, I don't know but for me i had a lot further to go and i knew i was going to go there um so I got on with this, and lo and behold, everything got sorted out. And my, my my feeling about life today is just completely turned around, just completely turned around. It's a great thing. Life is a great thing. Whereas when I come to AA, I just wanted it to be over. I really did. I couldn't, I couldn't stand it any longer. It was just going on too long and uh, probably a bit like me, really. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, this is what happens. You stick around here, and... I, it, it's 15 years ago, 15 years ago. I can't believe it. My plan was to stick around for two weeks and find out what the secret was and, and do that, you know. Well, probably not even do that, just see if I could wing it. But there's no secret. You just just stick at it, just stick at it. And, you know, as a result of that, well, right from the start, one of the other things I want to talk about is service. I don't know. How's the time going? Oh, there we are, a little bit of time. Um, I'm sure Nigel will let me have a bit extra, but uh, um, service. Now, one of the one of the things that um, I've 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 heard in some AA groups, they'll say service keeps you sober. I mean, that's that's that's. It's kind of a little bit of truth in that, but for me, service has sometimes got me to the meeting when I really didn't want to when I thought there might be an excuse for not turning up. So I've got to be there because I've got this to do. Um, you know, and I was given service right from the start. Um, even before I actually had a service position, I had to go and talk to newcomers. Um, and then they got me sweeping up. And, uh, you know, and then I was making tea and things like that. And it was it's something I've always done. Um, I cannot imagine sobriety without service. It just doesn't doesn't make any sense to me. Because even if I haven't got a service position, there will always be something to do. There will always be something to do. And once you've got, once you've got that like kind of bit of a reputation for service, even if you don't want it, they'll find you something to do, you know? But that's like a good place to be. Because even when you're feeling a bit lazy and selfish and self-centered, well, I do anyway, that's... <laughs> That's uh, quite a frequent state, state for me. You know, somebody says, oh, Chris, can you do this? Oh, I don't, Why are they asking me? Because they know that I'll probably do it. And that's, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's the sort of thing I'll put on my gratitude list at the end of the day when I've been mumbling and complaining about it all the time until until that point. <laughs> because, you know, I mean, for me, um, something that I... I, I that I've always lived by what since I've been here. Really, is like um, my sponsor says: get grateful, and it's kind of like a it's kind of like a bit of a universal cure all kind of thing. If you can get grateful, you can't be resentful, you know. It, it just pushes the resentment out of the way till you can get down and, and, and sort it out later on. But if you just just be grateful, just be grateful, because I was I was lucky to get here. I was lucky this meeting was here. Um, I was lucky to turn up to it. But there, there the luck stops. You know, you get here, you're lucky. The luck stops there. And then it's time to do something. It's time to take actions. And, uh, you know, through taking actions, like I say, I'm sober, I'm happy today. Um, sometimes I don't always appear happy. I, mean, my, I, I insist that there's something wrong with my face, see? When, when some people relax, their faces look happy. When I relax, my face looks kind of miserable, and it's just you'll have to deal with it. You know, I'm all right, but you've got to look at it. You know, that's your problem. You know, I'm not going to worry about it. Um, and, and today, you know, I mean, I've I've been doing service ever since I got here, and I've I've got to the point now where I'm actually um, uh, a conference delegate for the Southwest region of Alcoholics Anonymous. And last year, I went to the National um, AA Conference in York, which is a hell of a long way on the train, I'm telling you. You know, that's, that's service, I'm telling you. Uh, you know, if you ever get to that point, get yourself some cushions, all right, because those trains are not too good. But, you know, I mean, it was, it was an amazing thing. It was an amazing experience. And uh, and what what is amazing is that there's an awful lot of people all through AA, all through this country all like doing service and and trying to make this fellowship better because that's what one of the amazing things about this uh, association is we call it a fellowship and uh, for me one of the definitions of fellowship is being united in a common purpose and our common purpose is to carry the message to the alcoholic who still suffers now I'm getting a bit out of breath now but uh, um, I ain't got long to go so uh, I'm sure I'll survive um, this, 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 this like fellowship idea it is it's absolutely essential because we have to have a common purpose because there is no fellowship without a common purpose. And our common purpose is to carry the message of sobriety to the alcoholic who still suffers in, in, whatever, in whatever form that takes. Um, for us here, we talk about getting a sponsor, taking some daily actions getting a copy of the big book and taking the actions re- described inside and, and going through the, the steps, doing service, staying sober, having a great life, making your home group kind of like the central part of your life because, um, you know, I mean, I, I always share this stuff about how much I've done wrong, um, but at the end of the day, I've done plenty right, which has kept me sober. And, and and got me happy. Got me happy. Let's not forget that. Without a drink, this there's, this there's, this, there's, uh, or without sobriety, all there is is alcohol. And uh, I I don't want that. I don't want that. It doesn't do me any good. It doesn't. It doesn't work for me anymore. You know. This works for me. So you know, like I say, if you if. If you knew, it's it's it's, it's kind of simple. Just get on with it. Just get on with it and have a have a great life. And uh, um, yeah, I'm 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 getting tired. I'm losing the plot. I'll I'll leave it there. And uh, thanks again.